Welcome to Zero Perception, our Dungeons and Dragons 5e podcast, with your host, Andrew Shadrix, as DM Andy. Our party consists of Harry Dingle of Barry, a bugbear barbarian played by Jesse King, Lonak Snowstriker Mavone, a Goliath warlock played by... T.J. Stewart. Uruk, the Iron Wall, a half-orc fighter, played by Cameron Crosby. Vordon, the half-elf drow ranger, played by Zach Urkila. And to join us in Session 3 and beyond, uh, we have Petit Louis, a halfling rogue, played by Tyler Wilcox. Each character has been given their own secret that will come up throughout our adventure. These could guide them through the lands of Icewind Dell or even come back to haunt them. Sadly, our first session is Lost to the Wind. We have... Um, we were not ready to start recording um, and went ahead and played, uh, but I thought I could give a little recap to those listening. So with that, we'll begin. Welcome to the far north, north of the spine of the world and west of the towering ragged glacier is a frigid expanse few dare to explore let alone inhabit. These icy lands of windswept tundra recently became locked in a perpetual dark winter without reprieve. Aurel, the Frost Maiden, the divine embodiment of winter's fury, has withdrawn to this cold corner of the world to live among mortals. Further, she has cast a terrible spell over Icewind Dell to the to detriment of most of its denizens. Each night before midnight, Arl takes to the sky on the back of, the, of a white rock and weaves her spell, which manifests as a shimmering curtain of light, a beautiful aurora that illuminates the night sky and fades before dawn. This powerful magic prevents the next day's sun from rising above the horizon, turning midday into twilight and trapping Icewind Dell in winter's dark embrace with no sunlight or warmth to melt the snow and ice. Each casting of the spell leaves the Frost Maiden weakened, with just enough divine power left to barricade the mountain pass with blizzards and churn the sea of moving ice with blistering winds. Such measures discourage travelers from approaching or leaving Icewind Dell, further isolating the region. Icewind Dell has thus been trapped in a different reality from the rest of the world, for though the sun never rises over the Dell, it continues to rise everywhere else. The people of Icewind Dell know Aurel's wrath when they feel it, and they have a name for the unending winter she has inflicted on them. They call it the Everlasting Rhyme. No one understands why the Frost Maiden has imposed her will in this way, or why the other gods refuse to challenge her. This prolonged winter, which has gone on for more than two years, threatens to doom 
not just the flickering lights of civilization known as Tin Towns, but also the indigenous flora and fauna that need sunlight and the change of seasons to survive. Not all creatures are discouraged by what has transpired north of the spine of the world. The long nights and sunless days are blessings of Zardok Sunblight, a Dugar who longs to carve out a domain for himself on the surface and enslave the people of Ten Towns in the process. Already, he has taken advantage of Aro's magic and raised a fortress amid the dark shadows of the mountains. From here, his underlings strike out across the tundra in search of Shardalan, a crystalline substance known to exist only in Icewind Dale. Once he gathers enough of it, Zardok, Zardarok plans to construct a Shardalan dragon and unleash it upon Ten Towns. Despite Aurel's blizzards and other deterrents, visitors still come and go. Among the recent arrivals are four wizards of the Arcane Brotherhood, a powerful society of spellcasters based in Luskin. They've come chasing rumors of lost cities buried under the ragged glacier, a fragment of the long-gone empire of Nethril, whose wizards wielded magic that terrified the gods. Netheress magic has a way of attracting power-hungry wizards, as members of the Arcane Brotherhood often are. The cities of Netheril floated among the clouds, making them almost impervious to assault for centuries. Then, nearly 2,000 years ago, this floating city crashed during the fall of the Empire, and no one has found or explored it since. It is arguably Ice Windell's greatest secret a necropolis of netherous wizards and magic they left behind. What survived the crash is anyone's guess, but we're about to find out. The world is set in the Forgotten Realms. It is one of a high fantasy populated by elves, dwarves, halflings, humans, and other folk. In the realms, knights dare to seek out the crypts of the fallen dwarf king of Delzun, looking for glory and treasure. Rogues prowl the dark alleyways of teeming cities such as Neverwinter and Baldur's Gate. Clerics will mace and spell in the service of their gods, questing against the terrifying powers that threaten the land. Wizards plunder the ruins of the fallen Netherus Empire, delving into secrets too dark for the light of day. Bards sing of kings, queens, tyrants, and heroes who died long ago. On the, lo on the roads and rivers of the realms travel minstrels and peddlers, merchants and guards, soldiers and sailors, steel-hearted adventurers from backcountry farmsteads and sleepy village villages follow tales that take them to strange glorious faraway places good maps and clear trails can carry even an inexperienced youth with dreams of glory far across the world but these paths are never safe fell magic and deadly monsters are among the perils one faces when traveling in the realms even farms and freeholds within a day's walk of a city can fall prey to monsters, and no place is safe for the sudden wrath of a dragon. 
Icewind Dell, featured in this adventure, is located in a region called the Far North, which is dominated by the spine of the world, a range of skyscraping snow-covered peaks. These extend toward the Sword Coast, which form the western edge of the great continent of Faerun, and stretches southward for thousands of miles. Ships and roads lead southbound travelers to a number of bustling ports along the Sword Coast, including the following strongholds of civilization. Luskin, the City of Cells, is a home to pirates as well as host tower of the Arcane. Neverwinter, the City of Skilled Hands, slowly being rebuilt after it was nearly destroyed by the eruption of Mount Hochnow. <laughs> Waterdeep, the City of Splendors is a seaside metropolis where people from all walks of life gather behind high walls. The party starts their adventure in Bryn Shander, the largest of all the ten towns. The first stop for most visitors to Icewind Dale. A walled town perched atop a cold, lonely, wind-lashed hill. Bright lanterns suspended over narrow streets twist in the wind and add flecks of color to the town's otherwise drab surroundings. The friendliness in this settlement has dwindled of late. Aurel's unyielding winter has greatly reduced the number of visitors to Bryn Shander, and local trade is suffering for it eating away at the local sense of humor and goodwill. Still, there is no safer place in Icewind Dale to spend coin on or spend the night. The walls of the town stand 30 feet high and are defined by two concentric rings of upright wooden poles, the gap between them filled with dirt and rubble. The outer ring of poles rises above the top of the wall, providing a rampart for defenders stationed on the wood planked walkway. The wall's hinged gates are 15 feet tall and can be barred from the inside with an iron banded wood beams. These gates are closed when it's dark outside, which is to say, more often than not. As they enter the town of Bryn Chander, um, They were approached by three frostbitten shield dwarfs. Three stocky figures bundled in cold weather garb stumble towards you. They have snowshoes slung over their back and ice picks fastened to their belts, and two of them have thick beards. The third holds up a gloved hand and says through a thick wool scarf and a raspy voice, Well met, I'm Runa. And these are my friends, Korox and Storm. We need help, and you look capable. <coughs> As they continue to talk to these dwarves, um, they explain that they're the survivors of a group of dwarves tasked with delivering a sled of iron ingots to Bryn Shander. A yeti, a yeti <laughs> surprised and killed a member of their group. The rest fled as the yeti tore Ubok limb from limb. 
They offer the party a gemstone worth 50 gold pieces. The friendship of dwarves in Icewind Dell and some snowshoes. <laughs> so... As the party left the city in search of the iron ingots, a blizzard hit them for... Unfortunately, I rolled max dice and the blizzard lasted eight hours. <laughs> in which one of our characters had no dark vision. So, as the blizzard hit, they all tied themselves together with rope to keep, uh, you know, one from getting lost. Um, this was very smart. Uh, they did very well, and it didn't take them long to even traverse through the blizzard. And find Ubok's remains. You crest a snow-covered ridge and see a frozen, dismembered corpse in the gully in front of you. Snow covers some of the gory bits, but the headless torso and severed limbs are visible. You see tracks in the snow all around the corpse and the tell-tell... tell-tell grooves in the snow left behind by a sled that has been hauled away. So, as they find that, um... They inspect the tracks uh, with a survival check and determine that the tracks are pretty fresh and belong to a half dozen small humanoids wearing snowshoes. Uh, the tracks lead south and in about a half hour they catch up to these. The creatures you've been following appear to be goblins based on their stature. All six of them groan and grunt and curse loud, loudly as they haul the bulky sled toward the s what appears to be 20, a 20 foot tall wagon parked in the snow. Harnessed to the conveyance are two roaring polar bears that don't look happy. So I actually did this a little different than what the book told me. Um, since I had a blizzard that was lasting so long, um, they didn't see the large wagon right away, um, and the goblins didn't even spot them right away. Um, really what was supposed to happen was the goblins see them and they start tooting their little horn to warn all the other goblins, and that never happened. So it was interesting, I had to, um, think on the fly, and... Um, they snuck up on the goblins, uh, had a battle with them, killed killed all of them. Um, all the while, um, the wagon, the goblins at the wagon had no idea what was going on because of uh, the strong blizzard. They had went inside the wagon and um, were, you know, just chilling. So... Um, as that happened, they, they finally, uh, s the blizzard secedes. Uh, oh, well, so something funny to mention, uh, so during the battle, only, I think it was Uruk, um, untied himself 
from the rope that they all attached themselves with. So as battle ensued, they forgot that they were tied together, and you know, like one character just like started walking forward real fast, and then I was like, "Whoa, make a strength check, you and you," and <laughs> whoever you know rolled lowest either got flung backwards or got flung forwards into the snow. So that was uh, a pretty funny occurrence. Um, but after that, they see the large wagon pulled by uh, polar bears and a different looking goblin. goblin. Oh no. They they snuck up on the wagon, um, and as they open, they just like open the door, and the goblins are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> um, so battle battle started. Um, the goblin boss climbed up to the top of the wagon, and he started waving a torch around, you know, trying to see better. Um. And as that happened, Vordon, the ranger, uh, shot at him, and he actually hit the torch out of his hand, and the torch fell to the top of the wagon and started to burn it. Um, luckily, uh, Harry Dingle was quick on his feet and was like, no, I'm stopping this fire. Um, and he did everything he could. Um, to you let the spread of the fire happen uh, I was pretty lenient on the situation I thought it'd be cool uh, he, he thought real fast about it and emptied his water skin on it stamped it out you know he was trying real hard so I gave it to him because um, realistically it should have just burnt <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, let's see, the goblin boss was the last one to live, his name was Izubai, and he actually got away, um, he ran off, and they, they, uh, couldn't find him after that, um, but in the wagon, they found two potions of animal friendship, and a bone whistle. Uh, so, they finally figure out that um, they need to drink the potions of animal friendship to, um, this is the way the goblins have been controlling their polar bears. Uh, so they do that, um, they load up all the iron on the wagon, and they head off with their, their new wagon. <laughs> um, see about there were no random encounters um as they get back to town you know the guards are like whoa, whoa, whoa what is that you know it looks like a, a goblin wagon they're very suspicious and uh the characters shout out to them you know that it's them let us in uh so they they pull their cart through the town people are just like whoa 
what the hell? <laughs> like, this is wild. We've never seen anything like this, you know? Um, and so... They meet up with the dwarves. They get a reward. Um, I gave them all one gem piece each, which is 50 gold. Um, they went shopping. Um, and by that time it was late and I was um, wrapping up the session but later um, before session two I got together with Jesse uh, Harry Dingleberry and we did a little private role play um, he was the one that uh, went and parked their new wagon at the stables and so as he went and did that, um, we had we had fun. Um, he saw, you know, the stable master had a bunch of uh, dog sleds and some wolves uh, for sale, and you know Jesse was ready to buy them. I was like, well. we'll uh, the NPC said, uh, well, what's wrong with your polar bears? And Jesse was like, well, they're not tame. They're, they're wild polar bears. <laughs> they're tame for now, but, um, so I did a little, uh, I made it to where the, st the stable master slash dog sled groomer guy, um, taught Jesse how to kind of tame the polar bears and, you know, uh, teach him how to use his bone whistle and, uh, you know, tell him, you know, how to feed them and so they'll appreciate him and know that it's him um, and they'll answer to him instead of having to drink a potion every time. If you take care of them, they'll, they'll probably like you. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Jesse did a really great job with that, um, he's been keeping them fed, he's been making sure, you know, they're taken care of every session now, um, uh, so it's really good to see that, um, but, uh, after that, that was pretty much wrapped up, and then be ended and went into session two so i hope you guys enjoyed this little recap uh sorry it couldn't have been the actual episode <laughs> but um yeah thanks for listening and uh i want to apologize for session two i was having some sound issues and wasn't aware of the sound issues so I tried my hardest to equalize the sound and make it where I wasn't yelling over everyone because that's what was happening. Um, but uh, I think session three went really well and uh, the quality was there. So uh, thanks again. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And goodbye. <laughs>